0: As we go, because we're learning, what's going on there? Sometimes we have to make adjustments in that. So, we're constantly looking at those pieces and figuring out, well, what can we do better? So, it's definitely a process of constant improvement.
1: This is the Self Storage Podcast, where we share the knowledge and skills from the industry's leading investors, developers, and operators to help you launch and grow your self storage business. Your host, Scott Myers, over the past 16 years has acquired, developed, converted, and syndicated over 2 million square feet of self storage nationwide with the help of his incredible team at SelfStorageInvesting.com, who has helped thousands of people achieve greatness in self-storage.
2: Hello, Storage Nation, and welcome back to the Self Storage Investing Podcast. I am your host, Scott Myers. And so going through a series where I'm interviewing the people behind the company. So it takes a team. It is not just myself or one or two individuals that make our funds work, that make the Tricor Fund work, that makes PassiveStorageInvesting.com work. There's a whole host of folks, the A-team, if you will, that is supporting myself, which you see most of the time up front and center, But for our investors, as well as our students, anybody that we do joint ventures with, our partners, there's a whole lot of folks behind the scenes that sometimes you get to meet and sometimes you don't. So I thought, what better way than to go through a series and to be able to introduce you to a whole lot of the folks that make up my A-team. And one of those that I have the pleasure of having a conversation with and sharing with you today is none other than Mr. Ken Lang, our CFO at Tricor. Ken, welcome to the show.
0: Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Great to be here.
2: Well, thanks for taking time out away from uh, your busy schedule and from all the things that you do on the financial side to have a chat with us. So what I wanted to do today, as you and I discuss, is fill in the gaps. Get everybody up to speed as to where you've been in real estate and on the financial side that led you to the place where you are now in the position of CFO of the Tricor Storage Investment Group.
0: Great. Well, thanks, Scott. I appreciate that opportunity. Yeah, it's kind of been a, a crazy ride that we've been on, how we get to where we're at in life, I started out thinking, hey, you know what? I'm really good at math. Let me find out something in math related that I'm good at. And I was started down the engineering route and I found out that that wasn't necessarily my direction that I wanted to go. So I ended up going down the business route. And of course, numbers were important to me. So I started doing the accounting thing. So for my first part of college, I did that and I really liked it. At some point, the numbers started disappearing, believe it or not, in accounting. When you get to higher levels, And especially when you get into like auditing and things like that. So I really pushed myself more towards the numbers and data and information. So I ended up going and getting my MIS degree as well. So I ended up with a double major at Kyle from University of Central Florida in accounting and management information systems. And I really kind of went that route a little bit more. I actually ended up software development company, worked there for a good seven to eight years, worked my way up the corporate ladder. And it's funny how When you're doing what you need to be doing constantly, you're end up being their boss, how that works. It's kind of crazy how that happens over a period of time. But I was young at that point and eager to learn and grow. And I really kind of took on all that management experience that I did at the software development company, which now I'm actually utilizing a lot more than whatever I thought I would. But anyway, from the software development company, I moved into real estate. I ended up doing that for quite a few years, worked with a company that did commercial appraisals as well. So I got a lot of really good information from this gentleman. He was like a third generation real estate guy. So I was constantly asking him questions and learning everything I could from the appraisal side to the real estate side. I went on to work at Keller Williams for quite a few years, ended up doing a lot of phone calls. I would actually call on expired listings, believe it or not. I did that quite, I had a little room that I worked in. So I got really good at finding those leads and follow up and using that information technology background that I did because I actually worked at a software development company for quite a few years. And I did data conversion. So I used analytics from there with that CRM kind of thing to be able to find those leads, which worked out really well. Because at one point, I ended up running into this guy named Scott Dayan, who was doing commercial real estate. And that's actually what I wanted to get into. So I started finding leads for him in self-storage. And it was pretty interesting because the complexity of taking a lead from an expired listing in real estate and residential to commercial, when you have a ready, willing, and able buyer, it was like, wow, this is easy in comparison. So it was just kind of natural for me to do that. So I did that, worked with all the analytics when our group kind of formed at that point, we began to form. It was the beginning foundations of it. Did a lot with it at that point. And from there, started pulling in a little bit more of my financial background from when I was on my accounting degree, started doing all the financial modeling as well. So here I am finding the properties, doing everything you need to do that with all the analytics that we did to analyzing the properties and data and looking at the properties from what's the eternal rate of return and how we did that. I did the modeling for quite a while. And that's something that I'm still working on now today, along with everything else that I do, just as CFO. So it's kind of like a little background as to how I ended up being in this role. So.
2: Well, and for Storage Nation, for those that aren't familiar with the, the Tricor Investment Group and our funds, it's interesting how the four of us came together. Ken mentioned Scott Dayhan, and we also have Larry Murphy and myself as well. So there's the four of us. And in each of us, I think what makes a strong partnership, and Ken, feel free to disagree, but I think all of us, we started out as entrepreneurs as a one-man band. So we all had to learn very quickly how to find opportunities to invest in in self-storage. Then we had to evaluate them and underwrite them and do the financial analysis. We did the marketing to find them and utilizing the CRMs. We have to be our own CEO of our own company. We have to understand the financials. We have to understand the lending side. And all of us did that very well on our own and grew our businesses independently, respectively, before we all four of us came together. And so the good thing is that I think for us is that we all knew all areas of the business, but then each one of us has a superpower in one of those areas. And so as we call it a formal company, you know, we're still very nimble and very entrepreneurial, but at the C-suite level, meaning the COO, the CFO, the CEO, and the CIO, each of us has a superpower in those areas where we landed. And so that's truly what makes, in my opinion, a good partnership. Two people that are broke and don't have credit and don't know how to do the business just because they love it doesn't make a good partnership. Right, exactly. And we oh. found along the way, there's some folks in our organization that just didn't work, whether it's at the partner level or even at the staff level. And so, Ken, what would you say is people are kind of taking a look at our structure as we go through this series of looking at each and every uh, piece of our business. What would you say is probably, I would say, uh, one of the most important things you need to look at in terms of bringing on a partner or to work with somebody at that C-suite level?
0: bringing on a partner specifically. He became partners with you. Yeah, What would you say is the
2: most important thing in terms of looking at the four of us or some of the most important things that you think make a great partner or why uh, the four of us work so well together?
0: Well, having partners that are a lot smarter than you is very helpful. Just so you know, Scott, you're amazing. I just want you to know. First time when we met at Mableton Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there and you were going through the property and you were talking about all the things that you know in that area. I was just like, this guy is impressed. He just impresses me. And it's funny how over the years we have these business partners and you start talking to them and they're like really good at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, I feel like I want to be up at that level. So Mm I think having partners that are going to bring you to the next level, I think Mm -hmm. is pretty helpful as well. Plus, the integrity that you bring to the table Mm -hmm. as well. And all of our team does actually. So there's Mm -hmm. certain things that Scott Dayan does really well. And I'm like, I'm not that type of person. I'm not that sales (coughs) guy. Like you're a sales guy. You're a marketing guy. Scott is, he's ready to kill it all the time. So Mm -hmm. those are the type of things that I look for. Those are some strengths that maybe I'm a little weaker on as well. Mm -hmm. Those aren't my strengths. How do we look for strengths in others that can help us? And now Mm -hmm. as we move forward, and we start hiring employees, what are we doing? Well, we're looking for guys that are really smart. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. We're not afraid of someone who is, and maybe I'm going a little bit straight as far as hiring Mm -hmm. employees, but we want someone that has that energy, that intelligence, and can make good decisions that we can go to for information. Those are great people to have on our team. So same thing with partners.
2: Mm -hmm. I would agree. I mean, I think the basics for most folks that are either looking to get into a partnership or have been in one is it starts with integrity. It starts with having a moral compass and that your values are in alignment, whether it's you and somebody else or if you're taking on three other partners that you add or adding into what we call the C-suite level. There certainly has to be that trust there. And in 100%, I never, I'm not afraid to admit because it happens most of the time. I'm certainly not the smartest person in the room. And I think what makes a good partnership is when you recognize that and you seek out people that are smarter than you, because that just means that they've got some complementary skills and uh, they bring a level. They allow us to be able to level up because of what they bring to the table. And so I think we all know a little bit about what the other one does. However, Larry's a perfect person in the COO role because that's the last place that I want to be is I understand management, property management, building it out. That's the last thing I want to do day to day. And he loves it. I mean, when his feet hit the floor, he wants to improve the efficiency and drive the NOI of the portfolio day in and day out. You're right. Scott just wants to go out and kill it. And on the acquisition side and deal flow. Yeah, he's a master at that. And I understand real estate math. And I love digging into each and every line in terms of the expense and the income and getting to that bottom line and seeing how this deal either is, could, or does make money. But I'm thankful for you because I don't want to do it all day long and what you bring to the table as well. And so I guess bring it full circle, folks. If you're looking to bring out a partner, there really should be somebody that you feel is smarter than you or smarter than you in some areas that you're very well aligned because if they don't bring anything to the table, pretty soon you're going to recognize that this partner is probably not bringing much to the bottom line. It is just now an expense. That is the worst place to be in a partnership.
0: We've each got to own our areas, right? Be the best at what we're doing in that particular area. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to depend on your partners to be able to pull their weight and know that they're going to be there for you, too, Mm -hmm. when it comes right down to it, so...
2: All right, Ken. So we talk about the C-suite. We talk about a CIO, a CEO, a COO, and a CFO. For some folks, that may be a little confusing. They just think that the C-level means that they're just higher up and they needed a title, but they don't necessarily have those particular functions. So let's talk about the CFO role. What exactly is in your wheelhouse and what do you look to do and what type of effect are you making on the portfolio day in and day out?
0: I was thinking about that role just recently because we're in the process of looking for a and understanding what that person does versus what I do. I think there's a lot of overlap in those positions, but of course, I'm looking at it more from the thousand foot view, making sure everything kind of comes together, right? Looking for the problems that could occur and how the operations team, it needs to do their job and what do they need, right? To make their job successful. I want to make it as easy as possible, but I also want to make sure, hey, that auditing class that I had, Way back when, I think about those things all the time. I have to have checks and balances. So I'm looking for everything number-related, I'm touching in one way or the other. Interacting with our bookkeepers, interacting with our CPAs, interacting with our auditors, and then validating all the information that comes back from these folks because it's not always perfect. And I've got to do research to find out, well, what happened with this particular item a lot of times? And that does occur, but we'll find it and we'll figure it out and get things the way they need to be. And then of course, doing that comparison on month end and month out, what's going on with the properties and making sure that they line up with what our original vision was. So we're looking at the financial modeling and we've constantly, we've tweaked our models, what we're doing as we go, because we're learning, we have learned. And now we're taking that and we're going, okay, so now the property's performing, what's going on there? Sometimes we have to make adjustments in that. So we're constantly looking at those pieces and figuring out, well, what can we do better, right? What problems or areas have we come across that we can fix next time around? So it's definitely a process of constant improvement.
2: If you're already investing in self-storage and you're looking to grow and scale your business, then you need to join the self-storage mastermind. We formed the industry's first mastermind back in 2010, and we stacked it with the one percenters across the country who specialize in acquisitions, development, and syndication. This exclusive group of storage rock stars meets once a quarter in private settings to combine business and VIP experiences that you won't find at any of the trade shows in Las Vegas or at the other copycat masterminds. So if you're looking to become part of an advanced community that openly shares best business practices, along with the largest pipeline of off-market deals and access to the top private equity resources, then you need to be in the room. So if you think you're a fit, then go to thestoragemastermind.com to apply. That's thestoragemastermind.com. And we'll see you on the inside. So, Ken, you had mentioned uh, early on, and this is why you are in the role that you're in and why you need to be there versus the rest of us. Because you said, as you're looking at the numbers in accounting, all of a sudden the numbers begin to disappear. And so at that point, I think that's when you make the shift and you recognize that now I can see the bigger picture in terms of developing strategy. I get a better understanding or a feeling as a result of the numbers and the data that I'm getting as Mm -hmm. to truly what's going on within this business or within this particular self storage facility, whatever that may look like. And so for Storage Nation, tell them a little bit about, share with us how that shapes then the strategic direction. What does your dashboard look like in terms of when do you start to see alarms going off that forces you to get everyone? went together or pull somebody in to say, hey, I think we're off here. I see something happening. What does that look like for somebody who may not be that savvy to understand just what it looks like and uh, how the numbers force you to, the alarms to go off in your own mind or on your own dashboard to then make a change or a pivot?
0: I do work in tandem with Scott Dan on a lot of those when it comes to the financial stuff as well. But I'm always looking on a monthly basis. We're looking at those revenue items as they come through. And that can definitely see, well, is that property going in the right direction. So that's on a monthly basis. And then of course we're doing quarterly reviews as well on each one of those. But daily I'm looking at the bank accounts and I'm seeing what's going on with the bank accounts to make sure things get allocated properly and make sure when I do find something that doesn't seem correct that I'm getting together with the CFO not the CFO COO chief operating officer. Yeah, what are you talking about those C's earlier, right? And the VP of operations Anthony Golf, and I'm talking to them and saying, Well, here's the process. How can we change it? How can we make it better? And then I'll dig into what's going on with that property as well to find out, Well, what is the root cause? Because things are, it's a lot of outliers that we're seeing, right? And then double checking in with the operations team to make sure those things are happening correctly. But it's these outliers you see that, that don't make quite sense when we do those comparisons that kind of bring things up for me, what I need to look at.
2: Mm -hmm. So again, Storage Nation, for some of you that maybe got a little anxiety or that shot of adrenaline that went into your gut when Ken said that he looks at the numbers daily, I would venture to guess that most of us out there and most of you may not be looking at your numbers daily and not just out of the bank account, but really taking a look at the financials. And you may not have the ability to do so because that's what it looks like in an entrepreneurial organization or if you're a solopreneur, but don't miss the fact that is something that we absolutely have to make a part of our rhythm, whether it's on a weekly basis, at the very minimum monthly to understand where you're at. If you don't know what the scoreboard is, then you don't know how to take a score of where your business is going right now. And so maybe that's a wake-up call for some of you. So Ken, the world of commercial real estate has changed dramatically. And really for all of real estate with a huge run up of interest rates, many of us really couldn't account for that. We can have gradual increases here and there. And then we gradually change our business model, but we've had a drastic run up. So tell us what that looks like from your seat in terms from the CFO. And you've seen a doubling of interest rates in less than a year. How have you pivoted? And what does that look like in terms of how you've changed strategy and then rolled that out and communicated that to the rest of us? I'm not looking for anything here. And that what these guys have heard and what we've talked about before is that kind of along the lines of, well, nothing has really changed. We still have our parameters and our benchmarks and our guardrails. Just the input has changed. So our business model is the same. It's just that the input is higher. But all we've done is everything shifts automatically because we use tools and software and you know, whatever else. And we haven't fundamentally changed what we're doing. And many people think we are. And maybe that's why we're different than the others kind of promote Tricor. But also. and I'm not putting words in your mouth.
0: Yeah, because of the market changing, getting back to those financial models again, of course that's going to change the rate that we're putting into these things, right? But especially with some of the properties that we've had in the past, we've always been conservative in our numbers because we don't want to underperform, right? That's not a good. We'd rather overpromise is what we'd like to do. So, being conservative helps.
2: Thanks. You mean underpromise and overdeliver.
0: Right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we definitely don't want to overpromise and underdeliver right? It's definitely not what we want to do. So we're definitely, again, being conservative in our numbers to begin with helps. And then when we're looking for new opportunities and deals, you know, they have to fit within those parameters. So it's just something that we have to do all the time. So it gets harder sometimes to find good deals. So we've got to pass by deals, right? And it's gotten more difficult to maybe get some of those loans that we did in the past, but we're pivoting and we are we make allowances for those things and we find ways to make it happen. So it's been a process, but we're still moving forward.
2: So what does that look like then? As we head into Q3 and Q4 of this year, we know that there's a whole lot of folks out there that didn't have the benefit. They didn't have a superpower like we have in Ken Lang looking at the numbers. And now they're faced with a refinance at an interest rate that's 8% where it was four originally and an LTV that's now at 65% where it was at 90 before. How are you approaching these projects when they land on your desk in terms of underwriting with the new capital stack? I guess all things being equal, we know what our cost of capital is going into it, but how are you looking at these projects that come across your desk right now that maybe look a little different than they did last year or a year and a half ago?
0: Well, the interesting thing about this is they're not able to get their stuff financed now. So we're seeing deals come on the market that other people weren't able to execute on, which now we're able to do. So that's kind of helped us in some regards. But as they come across the desk, we're doing the same thing we always do. We're looking at the numbers, we're looking at our expense ratios, and making sure that we're going to be able to get these things to perform properly. It's not changing that significantly, right? It is a big change, don't get me wrong, but it's not something that we're not able to overcome.
2: So to get a little more granular than Ken, I'll call it some of the boring things or the not so sexy things that a CFO or somebody who is still a solopreneur, the type of CFO functions that you should be looking at on a regular basis to safeguard your facility or your portfolio. What are those things that you're looking at daily, not just the bank account and monthly in terms of the numbers and trends or any gotchas or red flags that can help Storage Nation keep an eye out for?
0: Some of the more boring things, huh? (laughs) Well, I think some of the things that we're doing, which I think they're just really important though, is working with our employees to continually educate them, have them be better at what they're doing, and have an understanding of how to make good decisions. And then we're checking back in with them saying, are they improving or not? Those are the things that we do day to day, right? Because ultimately, it's our people and our culture that makes us who we are. We've got to have a great team. So I depend on my team every single day to help us get through this and they're great.
2: I don't think there's anything that I would add to that, Ken. There's also one of those things that I think many times it does go by the wayside and that every once in a while, we recognize and we lift our head up because we've been grinding head down. So And we realize that, oh, hey, there's something going on with my staff member over here or my colleague over here, or either haven't been performing or there's something going on in their personal life, or I've been meaning to train them in this one area. And now here comes the same, maybe mistake or a blind spot or something they're just not getting. We can't invest enough in our coworkers, our staff, our colleagues, just to make sure that everybody is not only rowing in the same direction, but also at the, at the same speed. And so we appreciate that so much, Ken, that you take the time to be able to do that. And that is shared across the rest of us. And again, that's what makes a team better is when everyone is encouraging each other and making sure that everybody's operating at a hundred percent and optimally.
0: Got to help these people grow. That's for sure. Mm-hmm hundred so.
2: percent. Well, Ken, from your seat, from your office as the CFO, what excites you the most about the next phase that we're heading into in this economic cycle and what that looks like for Tricor?
0: Hmm. Well, I'm really hoping that interest rates go down. That would be great, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> well, hope <laughs> is not a strategy, remember?
0: <laughs> I know it would be make things a lot easier, but uh, <laughs> I think that us as a team, we're growing right now so much so, and we keep getting better in every one of our areas. And more and more partners that we're working with are helping us to do that. So mm-hmm. developing some of those strategic partners is really exciting. We spent the past few days actually in our partner meetings and in with some strategic partners that we're working with. And that's really exciting because that's going to take us and our, our group to the next level. Mm-hmm. That's very, that, that does excite me.
2: For those of you that aren't watching, that are listening to this podcast, you can't see the smile on Ken's face. And I share that as well, because I feel like the past several months, really just kind of recently, we've just really hit our stride and really gone to the next level. And the cool thing about that is without tooting our own horn, we're getting a seat at the table with some larger partners to do some joint ventures with, some equity partners, and some of the dollars that we're looking at in terms of commas and zeros, I think we're at a level that maybe we all felt that we would get to at some point, but I think it's Happened a lot sooner than any of us have, have expected. And that is because everybody is rowing in the same direction. We've kept our noses clean, operating from a place of integrity. And now we've been at this for a while. There's very few folks out there that have been investing in real estate and going full cycle and been through three recessions and, and have the returns that we've been producing to our investors. We tutu'd our own horn a little bit. That does put us in an elite group, basically the one percenter club. If we begin to look at our stats out there. And so I too, am, I'm excited when not only were we not too long ago, not begging because you don't beg in this business, but wanting to get it to see the table and convincing people why they should work with us. And now we got people that are knocking on our door that want to work with us and that's just a cool place to be so i too am excited for uh for where we're headed
0: yeah it is exciting thank you so much scott i appreciate it
2: well ken thank you so much for your time now i'll let you go back to creating the vision and looking at the strategy from the numbers and doing what you do so well so appreciate your time today and i'm looking forward to being in the same room with you again my friend hopefully soon all right take care
1: hey gang. Wait. Three things before you leave. First, don't forget to subscribe to the Self Storage Podcast and turn on your notifications so you never miss another episode. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Second, be sure to share your favorite episodes and more via Instagram and don't forget to tag us. And lastly, head to the links in the show description and hit the following subscribe button on Twitter and Facebook to get a front row seat as we grow and scale our business and bring you along with us. Take care.